have exalted your name and as we have boasted about how great you are, how worthy you are to receive our praise, I pray that you have indeed been pleased with our worship. As we turn our attention to the written word, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would uh, teach us, that you would show us the truth that you would have us to learn, that your Holy Spirit would do a work of conviction in our hearts this morning. So we invite you now to uh, convict us, to challenge us, and ultimately, Father, to change us for the glory of your name. And it's in that name that we pray. Amen and amen. I want you to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, and we'll be looking at chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and in a few moments, we'll be getting to verses 11 through 21. Uh, here at First Baptist Church, Milton, we have some, some core values, some things that we believe are very important. And one of those core values is sharing the gospel. Simply stated, we believe it is, is, it is important and imperative that followers of Jesus be a part of what God wants to do through the ministry of His church in extending the gospel to the ends of the earth. In fact, I believe I can say with biblical certainty this morning that you will not fulfill your God-ordained purpose if you aren't available for God to use you to reach someone who is far from God and invite them to come close to God. It's important for you to know this morning and for me to know as well that a pandemic does not pause your purpose. A pandemic does not cancel what God has called us to do. You are released from your God-given mission the day He takes you home to heaven with Him, not one day before. Now, last year, which was about eight years ago, right? Uh, last year, we went through an initiative that we had just gotten started in the first part of 2020 called Who's Your One? And we built up to that at the end of 2019. We launched, into, launched the, that emphasis in, in 2020. And the idea, the challenge, the, the goal that we presented before you was for every member to identify at least one person who was far from God and to spend that year investing in them, investing in their lives with the goal of introducing them to Jesus, of sharing the good news of Jesus with them. And, and we celebrated that last year. We, we baptized people that were as a result of the efforts and the, the ministry and the message of reconciliation. And, and part of sharing involves inviting. You remember uh, Easter of 2000. And 19, we ask you to participate in something that we called Invite Your One. And in the weeks leading up to Easter, we encouraged you to identify one person in your life and invest in them over the next, over the certain number of weeks and invite them to come with you to church on Easter Sunday so they could hear the gospel and 
have the opportunity to respond to that gospel. Well, welcome, if you haven't seen the, the big 101 behind me, welcome to Invite Your One 2.0. I even feel bad using 20 in any context, really. Uh, 2021, Invite Your One 21. How about that? And uh, what, what we want to do today is, is, is launch this initiative once again to relaunch this campaign, if you will, for us to, to be invited and, and to accept the invitation of God to join Him in His mission in sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. We have a responsibility to be such a gospel presence in this community that if someone dies and goes to hell, they got to crawl over us to get there. And as we prepare in these next coming weeks uh, leading up to Easter, we're, we're going to ask you to begin that today to identify at least one person in your life who doesn't have a relationship with Christ and begin to pray for them right now today to plan to serve them over the next several weeks to, to invite them to enjoy Easter Sunday with you and to hear the gospel as we share it on that day and for you to share it with them as you interact with them day in and day out or week in and week out. We've got handouts that are available for you today if, uh, if if you didn't see these, you pick these up on the way out. Uh, they're on the tables at this main entrance and, entr and the entrance slash exit over here. We've got a handout here that gives you some information about how desperately we need to be involved in this. We also have on the back of that, or the front of it, depending on how you pick it up, a uh, calendar, a game plan week by week, what you are, what, what we hope that you will do. And that starts today. And what we want to ask you to do this coming week is to invest in the life for that person by praying for them. And we have a prayer guide for you to begin using today as you identify your one to start praying for your one. Now, if you're watching us online, you're thinking, I can't get that because I'm not there. Aha! <laughs> and you can also go to our website. Don't go now because I know y'all. And I know if we had the website live right now, that you'd go look at it right now. So it, if you go there now, it's just it's gonna be it's gonna say, "Oops, you're a dummy. You got here by a mistake." Okay, at noon, the website fbcmilton.org/invite-your-one. Every resource that we have on paper is gonna be right there on that website for you to view, download, print. There's no excuse whatsoever for you not to be involved in what God has called you to do through Scripture, which we'll see in just a second. Did you know that 33,000 people live within a 10-minute drive of this church campus? 33,000 people. And of those 33,000 people, 51% of them are younger than I, and I'm only 42. Some of y'all got socks older than I am. Or is it 43? Uh, somewhere in that area. But 51% uh, of those 33,000 people are age 39 and under. And of those 33,000 people, about 54%, which comes out to about 18,000 of those people, don't have a consistent 
uh, relationship with uh, the bride of Christ, with the church. They either, uh, uh, they, they indicate that they attend either rarely or occasionally. That's again around 18,000 people. Now what other researchers have told us is that of all those people who aren't affiliated with Jesus or who they aren't connected to the bride of Christ, that of, out of all those people, over half of those people, 55% of people who don't go to church would come to a service if a friend or a co-worker or a fellow student or a family member invited them. In our context, statistically, that's almost 10,000 people that if they were invited to hear the gospel at a church service, they would consider doing so. And guess what Sunday most people are more prone to do that? Easter Sunday. And so we're going to challenge you to get involved, to pick up a handout to get started this week by identifying your one, praying for them, and begin to invest in them. Why will we ask you to do this? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is why we ask you to do this. If we look at what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we can't help but respond and by understanding that, that we as followers of Jesus are sent agents, not secret agents. We are sent agents. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you calls to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Paul says, if I'm crazy, I'm going to be crazy for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul says we have been reconciled to God, and as a result of that, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, which includes sharing the message of reconciliation. And this is a non-negotiable. As followers of Jesus Christ, Paul says we are ambassadors. 
believers. As an ambassador, you have been given a ministry. You have been given a message of reconciliation. You, if you are a believer of Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador. Now think about that for just a second. What does an ambassador do? Well, you, you think of it in terms of, of our context as well as Paul's. An ambassador is someone who represents the interest of a sending agent. We have ambassadors from our nation, the U.S., who are stationed throughout the world. They are not there on vacation, or they shouldn't be there on vacation, nor are they there to pursue their own agenda. Their job is to represent the interest of the United States of America. That's where their citizenship is. So an ambassador is someone who represents the interest of that sending agent. As ambassadors for Christ, catch this, we have been stationed here to represent the interest of our homeland. And because we're followers of Jesus, our homeland is not the United States. Our homeland is not the state of Florida. Our homeland is not Santa Rosa County. Our homeland is heaven. And we are to represent the interest of the one who is in heaven that has sent us. So an ambassador represents the interest of the sending agent, but also an ambassador is someone who delivers the message of the, of the sending agent. You see, an ambassador, the job of an ambassador is not to make people like you, nor is it to tell them what they want to hear. The job of an ambassador is to relay a message as it is given to them. Look, when we interact with those who are far from Christ, our obligation is to bear his message. Not our opinions, not our ideas, but his message. So understand the relationship. We're getting to the text soon, I promise. I told you the website goes live at noon. I figured, why not keep you here till then? Uh, Understand, I'm playing, lighten up. Understand the relationship. Okay, Jesus is the sending agent. He's the one who sends. We are the ambassadors. We are the ones who are sent. We are not secret agents. I don't know how else to say it other than the way I'm about to say it. And get an email or two about it later. If people don't know that you're a follower of Jesus, you're not doing something right. We're, we're not to be secret agents. We are to be sent agents with the ministry and the message of reconciliation. So the question then becomes, what kind of ambassador are we? Are we doing a good job or are we doing a, a poor job? When it comes to this idea of representing the interest of our sending agent and bearing the message of our sending agent, what kind of job are we doing? I think we would all say this morning that we know that every single one of us could and should do something that could help us be a better ambassador for Christ. And I believe when we understand what Paul tells us in our text, we will. Three things, real quick. Three truths that Paul gives us that move us. When we understand them, they have to move us 
to being a sent agent, not a secret agent, a sent agent in this world. Number one is this, the coming judgment of God should persuade us to persuade others. Okay, the coming judgment of God should persuade us to persuade others. Paul says this in verse 11, the first part of verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. You see, every human being is going to stand before God. If you're a member of God's family, you still stand before Christ to give an account for what you have done and for why you've done it. He says that back up in, in verse 10 where he says, we must all appear full judgment seat to Christ so that each one may receive what's due for what is done in the body, whether good or evil. So uh, if you're a, a member of God's family, you stand before Christ to give an account, but you don't stand there for condemnation. You see, when I stand before Jesus to give an account for my life, I want to have to stand there for condemnation. Now that's not because I've done a lot of good things, and it's not because I'm a good person. The reason that I will not stand before God for condemnation is because of Jesus, because of what He has done for me, because I have trusted His work, and I've applied His work to my life. That's grace. But now that's not the only people who will stand before God. Scripture tells us that those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, they will also stand before God, but they will stand before Him for the purpose of condemnation. I don't have time this morning to delve into all the details, but read Revelation chapter 20, and you'll see that there is a judgment that's coming. It's called by some the great judgment, the great white throne judgment, where those who don't have a relationship with Jesus will stand before God, and God will condemn all of those who have refused His Son. God will condemn those who thought they were good enough to get there without Jesus. God will condemn those who thought that they would just put the decision off one more day. Here at that judgment, when those who have no relationship with Jesus, when they stand before God, they will experience the terror of God's judgment as they are condemned to hell for eternity. That's heavy. That does not emit an amen, nor should it. That should cause us to go, oh me. As ambassadors for Christ, we must get it into our heads and our hearts that apart from Jesus, we are the targets of the righteous terror of God's judgment, but that in Christ we have been delivered from it. But there are those who have not. That neighbor, that spouse, that child, that parent, that guy who changes the oil on your car, that person who rings up your groceries, God has placed that neighbor, God has placed those people in your life for a purpose. Hear me, their eternity hangs in the balance. Without Jesus Christ, they will experience firsthand the terror of God. What if you are the only voice they'll hear? What if they will not listen to a preacher, but they'll listen to you. 
someone that they've seen walk with the Lord? What if you are the only voice that they'll hear. You see, we are the ones through whom God will make His appeal. That's what He tells us in verse 20. He says that God is making His appeal through us. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no plan B. There is no second option. We are it, the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ. We are the people that God is going to get things accomplished through our lives. It's not up to someone else. It's up to you and I if we really grasp the implications of our lost friends and family members experiencing the terror of God's judgment in hell, I believe we would seek to reach out to them and appeal to them to give their lives to Jesus. And so Paul wants us to know that the coming judgment should persuade us to persuade others. Don't forget, you may have escaped judgment, but not everyone has. And our job is to invite them to escape it in Jesus. Second truth, the love of Christ should compel us to have compassion. The love of Christ should compel us to have compassion. I preached my very first sermon in the sticks of South Arkansas on October the 17th, 19. 93, and I chose as my text for our 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, and I chose as my subject, I preached on the subject, the love of God. I thought, why not go as broad as I could? <laughs> that lasted 15 minutes, you're not so lucky today. But this love, verse 14 has always captured my attention. This oftentimes has been used by the Holy Spirit to convict my heart. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. The more Paul understood the unconditional love that Jesus had for him, the more that love pushed him, the more that love compelled him to see himself as an ambassador for Christ and to declare that love of Christ to anyone who would listen. You see, Paul came to this conclusion that the love of Christ moved Christ to the cross, that Jesus Christ died for all. Will you listen to me, church, for a moment this morning? Jesus Christ died for all. He died for you. He died for me. He died for your neighbor. He died for that good-for-nothing member of your family. He died for that foul-mouthed co-worker with whom you work. He died for the best person you know. He died for the worst reprobate you know. He died for Republicans. He died for Democrats. He died for Libertarians. He died for the Green Party. He died for the Tea Party. He died for the Green Tea Party. And he died for the Independents. He died for the heterosexual, he died for the homosexual, he died for the person who identifies as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, he died for the black people, he died for the white people, he died for the red people, he died for the yellow people, he died for the brown people, he died for all. And so when you see someone, you're seeing someone for whom Jesus died. 
Let's stop identifying people as someone like me or someone not like me or someone who reminds us of, of Jezebel. And I'm talking about some colleagues of mine out in Texas who can't keep their fingers off their keyboard and Twitter, but I'm not going to jump on there. And let's begin to see people as those for whom Jesus died. And because he died for all, all have died. And what Paul means by that is that because of our sin, everyone had to die, and we all deserve the righteous judgment of God, but Jesus died in our place. Jesus, on that old rugged cross, he died just as if it were you. And those who give their lives to Christ in salvation are raised to new life just as Jesus was. I don't understand the love that Christ has me. In fact, the Bible never explains why he loves me. The Bible simply states that he does love me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16. Romans 5, 8, God showed us his love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You will embrace your role as an ambassador for Christ when you reflect on the love that Christ has for you. Jesus died for you just as if he were you, and he took upon himself the wrath of God that should have been yours. And I pray that his love compels us to go out as his ambassadors and to love people the way he loves us. He doesn't love me the way I deserve to be loved. You know, if I were God, you know those bug zappers that had like the blue light and you watch the bug go in and zzz, okay? If I were God, I'd take the cage off that bug zapper and I'd just start throwing it at people, <laughs> not bugs. But I'm not God. My tendency is to love people based on my heart. But God calls me to love people based on how he has loved me. And man, how that would get rid of so much of the junk that we see in our lives today. To allow the love of Christ to compel us for compassion. Number three, our new nature gives us a ministry and a message of reconciliation. Look at what Paul says in verse 15. And he, Jesus, died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Jesus died for us so that we would quit living for ourselves. By dying, catch this, by dying, Jesus was rescuing us from living for ourselves. It was Jesus who said, whoever would save his life must lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? For whose glory do you live? 
If your life is all about you and your own pleasures, you're wasting your life. But my friend, you will, if you will lose your life by living for him, you will have a life worth living. You see, when God changes us, when God makes us new, Paul tells us he gives us a high and holy calling. He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and as a result, he has given you a ministry. If you are a child of God today, you have this ministry of reconciling people to God through the message of Jesus Christ. Do you realize the work God is trying to do through you? You see, the, the Christian life isn't just about coming to church. I'm glad you're here, but it's not just about coming to church. It's not about trying to learn all you can before you die. It's about God trying to reach a lost world through your life. He is making his appeal through you. May we get out of his way and allow him to do his work. Every follower of Jesus is responsible to leverage his or her life for the sake of others and for the sake of the gospel. Are you, that's my question for you. Are you doing that? Are you leveraging your life? You will not be able to reach everyone, but you can reach your one. God has not called you to be personally responsible for everyone on the face of the earth. He's called you to reach your one that he's put in your life. You see, I believe in something that's called the sovereignty of God. That is to say that God puts us where he wants us, when he wants us, for his purpose. It is no accident that you live where you live. Oh, you may have thought that you got a good deal and a good interest rate and a good price on the house, or you may think that you may be thinking, well, it's family land. No, no, no you're there by God's design. You, 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 you're not around the people you're around at work by accident. You, you may think that all your skills got you that promotion. That was God putting you there strategically. For a purpose. You can't do anything without God. You may think you're in the classes you're in at school or college and you're around the people you're in by, 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 by fluke chance. That's not true. God's put you there for a purpose. I believe that when you go to Walmart, Lord knows Jesus needs to be there. <laughs> if you want to have your sanctification tested, if you ever see me in Walmart, that's what I'm doing. I'm just trying. I'm I ask the Lord to help me be more like Jesus, and he sends me to Walmart to see if I can. <laughs> but I jokingly say that, but I firmly believe this, that when you walk down the aisle at Walmart, that person who passes you, that's not by accident. That's by divine design. I'll never forget many years ago. We were at a church it's a difficult pastor. We were at a church, and Mandy, Jake was just a, a baby. He was in a car seat, and Mandy was driving in downtown Laurel, Mississippi. And a certain part of downtown Laurel, Mississippi gets a little sketchy, at that time at least. 
and, and she drove by a black gentleman, and she said she just felt compelled. I mean, something just drew her to pick that guy up and show him the love of Christ and take him to where he was going. Not by accident. It wasn't that by accident that that occurred. I don't know what happened to that man. I know that he was showing the love of Christ that day, but I know when I shared that in the church service that uh, I know me and a deacon about came to blows after church service. I said, Pastor, how stupid are you to let your wife go do that? I said, whoa, whoa, buddy. <laughs> I'm not stupid enough to tell my wife to do anything. <laughs> and every man in here agrees with that. <clears throat> Who are you to discount the divine meetings of God? Today, that church is barely there. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And one of them being, let's just not reach out to anybody. You don't cross a path with anyone without God ordaining it. And that doesn't mean that every person you pass, you need to be able to have the Bible. But that means when you stay in tune with God, and you live as being sent, that when God speaks to your heart, that is the moment. That could be your one. So here's what we're going to do to end our time together. For our invitation today, we're, we're not going to sing. We'll, we'll do that in a few weeks. We're not going to sing today. But we're going to just be still before God. And here's what I want you to think about. Because every person in this room, Christ died for you. Some of you, as I have, nothing good that we've done, but we have asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And maybe you're here this morning. And as we talked at the very beginning about the coming judgment of God, you realized that that judgment for condemnation, that that's your future. I've got some good news for you today. It doesn't have to be. If you came into this building today without having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you came into this building today ready to, if you were to die today, you would stand before God to be condemned, but you can leave this building today having no fear of condemnation. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus because he died for you. So when we have this, this Invitation, just say these quiet moments in just a second. If that is you, then I would appeal to you. I would implore you to cry out to God. You've heard me say that there are no magic words that you say. You, you, you pray something along the lines of where you confess your sin to God. You, you, you agree with God. You admit to God that you're a sinner. That you believe Jesus died for you. That's all that's left is for you to receive, and you ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. It really is that simple. That's why it's called grace. And there are those of us, many of us in here, who have asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. What I want you to do in these next few minutes is get to your one in prayer. Say, Pastor, I don't know who my one is. Then in these moments, pray that God would put someone on your mind and on your heart. 
And if after thinking and praying, you can't come up with somebody, call me this week. I got, a, I got plenty I can give to you. Ask God to help you in this moment identify your one, that that's the person. Over these next X number of weeks leading up to Easter, you're going to pray for them, you're going to invest in their life, you're going to serve them, and you're going to invite them. Bow your head right where you are. And for the next half minute, do your business with God. Father, as we have spent these few seconds in your presence, one or two prayers went up to you. There may have been those in this room who've prayed to make you their Lord and Savior. They've chosen to receive the gift of salvation that you offer. Lord, we rejoice for those who have made that decision today. The Bible tells us that when that happens, the angels in, in heaven rejoice. And if they can rejoice there, we certainly want to rejoice here. Thank you for those who may have made that decision today. For many of us, it's been some time ago when we made that decision. And we're going to be honest, we've allowed pandemics and stress and work and life to give us some excuses to move us to maybe try to coast to our spirituality. But hell is too real for us to ignore lostness. Death is too certain for us to ignore its reality. And so many of us prayed for that one that you placed upon our hearts. Father, for all of those ones that were identified, no matter what they're doing right now, where they are right now, they may, be, they may even be sitting in this room, or they may be sitting at a place that is as far away from church as we can imagine. Regardless, you love them. And so we pray that at this moment, they would sense the Holy Spirit convicting their heart that they would be open and receptive in these next coming weeks leading up to Easter to be served by your ambassadors and they would receive with an open heart the invitation to hear the gospel in Christ's name Amen If you did